Mac Power Users, Episode 710, Apple's Wonderlust Event. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Stephen Hackett, you've got a bedroom voice today. Why is that? I do. I'm recording in a hotel room in Cupertino. So my apologies to Jim and the audience if uh doesn't sound quite up to our normal standards. I will say in setting up, I realized I didn't pack a mic stand. So I'm just holding my microphone and hoping that goes that goes well. But uh, yeah. I did unplug the air conditioner in my room because I couldn't get it to turn off. And I was like, I know how I can get you to turn off. I'll just unplug it. So I'm doing it for you, you know? Well, it, it does have that sound like like you're talking next to a pillow or something. It's very, yeah. very, uh, yeah. But but that's not the story. The story is you were in the Steve Jobs Theater a couple hours ago, sitting in those plush seats that we read about in the Johnny Ive book, um, taking it all in. So so just before we get into the the news, tell us about the experience a little bit. Yeah, it was fantastic. I got invited a, a couple of weeks ago and flew out here in the middle of our St. Jude campaign, which we're going to talk about in a second, but it was really great. You know, I've been to a bunch of WWDCs, both as just a person and as press and really different vibe for an iPhone event. The The media crowd is very different. I recognized far fewer people than I do at WWDC, yeah. but sure. it, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, you know, Tim Cook came out on stage and we, we watched the same video you did at home. But then we got hands-on time. So I have I have played with and touched all the new phones and the new watches. So I've got initial thoughts on all that to share as we go. Excellent. Excellent. But it was just really neat to be a part of it. Really glad that that Apple reached out and that I could I could make it work. Yeah, yeah. And so we're gonna hear more about your on-site uh, impressions and reactions throughout the show today. I definitely want your hands-on impressions of the device like how light is a titanium iphone compared to a stainless mm-hmm. steel one so there's lots of things i have to ask you as we go through today but i'm so happy that you got invited and you were able to go and i know that it's a tough time for you because you are in the middle of the relay for saint jude fundraiser yeah september's really busy but busy for for really good reasons so each september for five years running now we have taken time to talk about and raise money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. You may think, well, Stephen, that's a that's a hospital in your hometown. Why why should I care about that? Well, St. Jude does happen to be in my hometown, and that was a huge blessing when our oldest son, Josiah, was diagnosed with a brain tumor at six months of age. But St. Jude's reach is truly global. I love so much about this institution, but their emphasis on global research and treatment is one of my favorite things. Because here in the U.S., more than four out of five children survive cancer, including my oldest son. He is a survivor. But in many developing countries, that statistic is reversed with fewer than one out of five children diagnosed with cancer surviving. And it's just unacceptable. It is completely unacceptable. That's the world that we live in. And the most significant predictor of whether a child will survive cancer or not is where they live. Just, just think about that for a minute, how, how grossly unfair that is. And so in March of 2018, St. Jude became the first and only World Health Organization Collaborating Center for Childhood Cancer. And 
that is part of the WHO's goal. They have this global initiative for childhood cancer they're working on to increase the survival rate of the six most common childhood cancers to 60% worldwide by 2030. And St. Jude works through this global platform to provide free chemotherapy medicines uh, in the next few years to as many as 120,000 children around the world with cancer. It's not here in my document, but I know for a fact it was on the news and I talked to people involved with it. St. Jude was working with hospitals and clinics on the ground in Ukraine to evacuate childhood cancer patients and their families so their treatment would not be interrupted by the war. I mean, just think about that, how how important that is and meaningful it is to those families. And you can read a lot more about St. Jude's global work at global.stjude.org. But what we're calling you today is to get involved. You can go to stjude.org slash relay, and it's the top link in the show notes this week. And you can donate or start your own fundraiser and fundraise alongside of us. Uh, as I record this on September 12th, we are at $261,000 raised for St. Jude just this year. We're knocking on the door of $2.5 million in five years. And that's because the Relay FM community is just so awesome. I've gotten a bunch of emails over the last couple of weeks, people telling me about their experiences as parents or as kids touched by cancer and other catastrophic diseases. And St. Jude's goal is to eradicate those. And so please join us in this stjude.org slash relay to donate, find out more about fundraising. You can set up a a donor advised fund giving gift. You can do employee matching. So a lot of employers will match your donation. So if you work for a, a big company, and even a lot of small companies have this now, where if you donate X amount, the company will donate X amount. And uh, that can go a long way as well. So go check that out, stjude.org slash relay. Yeah, we could all spend, and we all probably are going to spend some money on some dumb things that yep. we're going to talk about today. <laughs> Why not spend a little money helping kids with cancer? So, yeah, I'm so proud to be a part of this. And, Stephen, it's just so impressive. Two and a half million dollars. Uh, it started with, with your crazy idea to have a podcast fundraiser. They didn't even know what that was when you went to St. Jude, right? Yeah, They must yeah. be so happy for the day you walked in there and, and the MPU audience in particular is very generous. It has always been over the years. And what I would say is that I know a lot of people are having a hard time right now. And maybe you don't have a lot of extra money to throw around, but you know, even a $5 contribution makes a difference because we have a big audience. If everybody in our audience put $5 in, we would probably be able to double what, what you've received already. So just, just think about that. You know, um, and please, please contribute a little, even if you can't contribute a lot. All right. So you were in the room and I think what I'd like to start with is just what's it like in the Steve Jobs theater. I've been outside the door of it, but I've never been, you know, through the doors into the, into the special room. What's your impression? The the moment you walk in that the theater is way bigger than I imagined it, it apparently seats a thousand people. And it's not very wide, so it's it's very much a you know sort of vertical theater where you're you're good. the people at the front are very far below the people at the back, right? You really go down yeah. towards the stage, but it's everything you would imagine in terms of Apple fit and finish. Like the seats are amazing, all of the handrails are like beautifully carved, but boy, the sound system and the display in there just absolutely 
incredible. I don't think I've, and I've seen like yeah. movies, like I saw Oppenheimer in IMAX, right? Which was amazing. But I don't think I've ever seen a screen like this. It is just unbelievable. I will say, if they were to ask me any feedback, all the slides with black text with white backgrounds or anything with a white background is blinding in person because the the screen of the theater is so bright. You know, you're watching at home on yeah. Apple TV. It's not not that way. But there were a couple of times yeah. I was sitting uh, between Chance Miller, who was just on the show. He's the editor at 9 to 5 Mac. I was sitting between him and Jason yeah. Snell. And there were a few times where all of us kind of yeah. like looked away a little bit because it was so dang bright. Yeah. But super cool to yeah. be there. And then while you're in the event, which I think ran a little under an hour and a half, they're setting up all the hands-on stuff. So when we come back out at the top of the theater, then there are those those hands-on areas. There was an iPhone 15 table, an iPhone 15 Pro table, and an Apple Watch table. And you know, got to to mill about in there and and uh, spend time with each of these devices, which was really special and really why being here in person is such a treat. I wonder if like Apple employees like watch like Oppenheimer screenings and stuff in that theater. I mean, if they're not there, I don't know what they're doing, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I did. I I was sitting kind of next to the sound booth, but a little above it. So I could like see into it. And all I wanted to do afterwards is like go and talk to those people. Cause like, I mean, I could see that like being your like complete distraction for you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They, They did have at least two rack mounted Mac pros in that sound booth which is just really cool on its own. But it was really neat to to see a production in there. Obviously, I'd love to see something live. I mean, Tim Cook came out in person, but then we watched the video. But it was, uh, it was very impressive. That's the other funny part of this is that they, they built it before COVID, right? Mm-hmm. The whole thing was designed for the old-fashioned Apple Live event that we had where, you know, we had – you know, Craig Federighi on stage getting through demos and people coming on stage to show you their hot wheels and, you know, all the crazy stuff they used to do at those live keynotes. But during and shortly after the construction process, the whole keynote process changed to now it's going to be a pre-produced video. I wonder if they had to build it over again, if they would have done it differently. I don't know, but the, uh, yeah, either way, I'm so glad you got in there, man. Um, and, and you were on the ground, like I said, and you got your hands on. So l- let's talk about the stuff that was there. Um, the first thing I wanted to comment on is I felt like, uh, you know, we were in the Max Sparky Labs Discord and people were saying, ah, I hope we get the announcement today about the Vision Pro. And I'm like, they aren't even going to mention it. This is the iPhone. This is what pays the bills. This is all iPhone. But I was wrong. I mean, they didn't make an announcement about when they're going to release it. But the I felt like there was an underlying thread of the Vision Pro throughout this presentation that I did not expect where they're saying, hey, you know, we've got the global audience. Let's remind them that we have this new platform coming in. I thought that was something that I didn't expect to see today. Yeah, I didn't think they they would talk about it at all. We did not get a date. We got, hey, uh, you get to <laughs> early next year, you know, not, not really giving any detail there yeah. yet. But there's some stuff in the new iPhone Pro cameras to, to capture spatial video, which we'll get to. But really, yeah. Tim Cook's part at the top was really just a recap, right? He says, and he said right yeah. off the top, iPhones and Apple Watch today. But then he goes into this yeah. update of like, oh, these are the things we've done with the Mac recently. This is kind of an update on Vision Pro. And I mean, they got to give that context, especially for things I think that were introduced at WWDC. That's not really a consumer-facing show. 
and so I, I understand why they why they talked about all that and and uh and they kind of moved on to you know jumping into the to the heart of the matter but historically apple's yeah. always taken some time at the top of these things to provide updates on other parts of the business you know we didn't hear anything about retail today but in the past that may have been in here like you know four or five minutes on some new apple stores internationally or what they're up to but um yeah just just a little touching of vision pro we didn't see it right they just talked about it but uh they seem uh, on track to get this thing out early next year yeah agreed i i feel like it will be early next year and i don't have any secret information to say that but it just seems like they're going to get on with it but the other thing is we got to see the back of Michael Simmons' head, another recent guest on the show. Uh, when they had the little <laughs> developer slide, that was the back of his head. I'm like, ah, oh, another MPU guest in the in the uh, keynote. But yeah, there was no real news there. It was more of like a reminder. But I, I feel like that's partly because there are people there today that were not there in June, and they want to remind us that, hey, we got this big thing we're working on. One of the things that they spent a lot of time on today that they don't normally do was the environmental stuff. They did a little skit. And uh, they took more effort than just the obligatory slide uh, for environmental stuff that they've done historically. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. It was kind of woven into the event. In fact, most of the environment stuff was like inside the Apple Watch section. You know, we're kind of pulling it out here. But uh, three years ago, Apple announced their plan to be completely carbon neutral for its supply chain and products by 2030. And yeah. they use this event to highlight their their work towards those goals. And it comes out in a bunch of ways, right? So loads of recycled materials and things like the batteries of the new phones. The titanium in the Apple Watch Ultra 2 is all recycled, where the Ultra 1 was all what they call virgin material or material mined just for this purpose. Uh, yeah. replacing leather across the board with something called fine woven, which I, which I can talk about. I did get to experience that really just um, uh, what I thought was a very strong statement that, Hey, this is our goal and we are moving toward it in concrete ways. And that was definitely the point of the video with, with mother nature, or mother earth. And that, that was hilarious. And I think played yeah. really well in the room. People were laughing, but they're, yeah. they're taking this seriously, man. Yeah, yeah, and and it's all sorts of little steps they're taking uh, for a company the size of Apple. It's quite a a you know a big thing to pull off, but they clearly it, it's very important to them. And I know that as power users and geeks, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about the you know the, the neural engine? You know, it's easy mm-hmm. to get caught up with the technology. But I, I do like that we're the company we're giving our money to is trying to be a little more responsible about this stuff. And, um, and I think that that is good. Uh, what do you think? I guess since we're kind of, we're going to jump around a bit today cause you were in the room, but what is your impression of the fine woven, uh, material that they've got in the bands, they've got it in the watch cases and various other places. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. So the, there were not any iPhone cases out for us to see, which I thought was a little yeah. interesting. I kind of thought there, there might be, Yeah, but I did get to experience it on the new, some of the new Apple watch bands and it feels really nice. I mean, it kind of made me think of the peak design iPhone case that I, that I use. It's kind of a sure it's not woven necessarily, but it's, it's fabricy and it's, it's it, the watch bands are very comfortable that have it. Um, I was able to try a couple of them 
And I think, I think people are going to like it. You know, I, it, I'm a little surprised it's taken Apple this long to remove leather from their products. And, and I'm sure it was a difficult decision because especially in the watch band world, that's a big deal. But most of the bands, at least that I see in the world, aren't the leather ones. They're, you know, Velcro loops or they're the the rubbery ones, which now use a lot more recycled material. But I think it's going to impact the case market a, a little bit more. And there, there will still be options out there for you if you really want a nice leather case. There are a bunch of companies that are going to make them. But yeah. Apple, at least, is, has made this move this year. And I think it's a good one. Yeah. And the, um, the, the at one point during the presentation, because... Uh, Hermes, Herme, however Hermes. I say it, it's it's I'm going to be wrong, but Hermes, but yeah, either way, I'm just going to say it all the ways, and one of them will probably be right, <laughs> or maybe all of them will be wrong. But the uh, I've I've never been attracted to them because they're massively expensive, right? But they uh, at one point they showed that watch face that they have that you it's only really, get. It's if really you get cool. Band. I got to play with those too. Oh my gosh, that watch face. I had immediate, like, ah, oh, I want that, but I don't want to buy another Apple Watch just for the sake of. I think yeah. the way it works is you buy a watch from them, right? I don't even think they sell you the bands, but or if they do, they cost as much as, as your, your mortgage. Yeah. But yeah, the, they're, they're not yeah. for like normal consumers. I don't think I've ever seen yeah. any of those in the wild. Yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, either way, I, that watch face. You know what? What's frustrating about that watch face is like, yes, they can make really great watch faces, and they choose not to. You know? yeah. Unless you buy a three hundred and fifty dollars watch band, it's yeah. like, come on, it's a little, it's a little goofy. Um, the the reason they talked about the environmental stuff though in the Apple Watch segment is because the Series Nine Apple Watch, if you get it in aluminum and you get it with a sports loop, so there's some caveats. That yeah. is the first carbon neutral product from apple which is absolutely incredible and, and they have some others as we, as we go through the keynote but the series nine apple watch which um you know a very popular product right a lot of people who get watches tend to get the the, the mainline one even though i saw a lot of ultras yeah. today man a lot of ultras in the tech journalism crowd yeah but yeah. pretty pretty cool that they're making meaningful progress towards this and we're basically in the middle of 2023 right they got a long way to go obviously with a bunch of other products, but these little things, like Lisa Jackson said it, little things add up. Like the boxes are going to be smaller for the series nine. That means they can ship more of them in a container, right? It means that the, yeah. they're the fuel and, the, and they've switched to ocean uh, transportation as opposed to air for a lot of things. That also puts less carbon into the environment. All those things add up. And I think we, we got to see that. I fell down a, a YouTube rabbit hole where people are working on making dirigibles again, where they're <laughs> going to be start shipping. But I mean, there's a real case for it. If you can make it work, it's like, it's the cost of shipping, but it's, you know, like half, it, it's like, it's faster than shipping, but around the cost. And maybe one day we'll have blimps running over the Pacific ocean again, full of Apple watches. Who knows? <laughs> That'd be sweet. Anything else on environmental stuff? I think that's I think that's the big thing. Uh, you know, we we may touch on it as we go, but it was it was a part of everything they announced today. The the fine woven, I really want to get my hands on that just to kind of get a feel for it. But I get what you mean by, you know, the the cases with a very like fine grain material, like a very tight weave. I think it looks like in the pictures that's what they're going for. 
This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Go to onepasswordcom MPU and get 20% off your plan. Check it out today. There's two problems with the password system. The first is it has to be complex enough to properly protect you. You can't use the same password everywhere. You're going to get into trouble. But at the same time, it has to be easy enough to use that it's convenient and you actually use it. Well, 1Password walks that middle path perfectly because it gives you strong and unique passwords at every website you go to. At the same time, it is super easy to use. The reason they call the app 1Password is for a reason, because once you set it up, you really only need to remember your 1Password. After that, the application takes care of giving you strong and unique passwords no matter where you go on the internet. 1Password adapts to you no matter where you are in life. If you just need a personal account, they have those. You can also get one for your family. That's what I use. I have a family account for everybody in the gang. But if you want to use it for your business or your enterprise company, you can use it there as well. 1Password is trusted by over 100,000 businesses, including companies like IBM, Slack, and GitLab. With 1Password, you can protect yourself your family, or your global workforce with a simple security system that has easy collaboration and actionable insights. One of the challenges of having an effective password system is finding an easy way to share it. Well, with 1Password, it is ridiculously easy. You can just put it into a shared vault and the other people also have access to it. You can also share it with people outside of 1Password safely. So, This really protects you in that common problem of when you get tempted to put a password in something like a text message. And 1Password can monitor and mitigate risks like potential breaches or just letting you know when the passwords you have in your vault have already been published as hacked passwords. Security is a full-time job and you don't have time to do it yourself, so get someone you can trust. Get 1Password. They submit themselves to regular third-party audits and the industry's largest bug bounty to help them act on threats before they can affect you. With 1Password, I get peace of mind. I get a password system that I know is going to protect me with the minimum of fuss. Don't just take my word for it, though. Go check it out. You can go to onepasswordcom MPU today, download it, get 20% off your plan. If you go to that link, start protecting yourself with the professionals today. Go to onepasswordcom MPU. So let's get into the iPhone and start with the iPhone 15 and 15 plus. This year is another step kind of down this path where Apple has put some distance between the mainline phone and the pro phone with the the main phone kind of getting features, you know, the year after or two years after the pro line. And I think the big one this year has got to be the dynamic island, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the um the the notch is gone. Rest in peace. And 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 the dynamic island is here. The um uh, what do you think of the dyna- dynamic island now that you've had it for a year on your iPhone Pro? I think it's pretty great having just glanceable information up there. I will say developer adoption hasn't been what I had hoped and maybe this will help now that it's not just on the really expensive phones. But some some obvious use cases like DoorDash or, you know, some of those things haven't really shown up. Uh, I will say I've you know, been using Lyft while I'm in California. I don't ever use it at home. And I'm always impressed with their, their 
live activity in Dynamic Island where you can just like see how far away your car is without unlocking the phone and finding the app. So it's really promising. I still I still think it's promising. I don't think it's a dud, but I'm not quite sure. It's like the fireworks Apple kind of pitched it as, but maybe this will help. Well, I mean, Apple always pitches it as fireworks, right? Uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of their thing. But I, I think it's become really useful and it's kind of become a thing you just take for granted after a while. And yeah. when you need it, it's there, whether you're running a timer or you've got DoorDash coming, it's it's kind of nice. And I think people that, that get it on their new phones this year are going to be really happy. One of the things that stands out for me is that the the non-pro iPhone is really consistently becoming the last year's pro iPhone. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, clearly Apple is like using the cutting edge stuff in the pro phones, figuring it out. And then the next year they put it into an aluminum case and it's largely last year's pro and at a significant discount over what the pro cost. And I feel like that's really good. I think most consumers buy the non-pro iPhone. So they're getting mm-hmm. tested technology uh, at an affordable price that is stuff that we were all willing to pay north of a thousand dollars for a year before. Yeah. And I, uh, I think it's kind of a nice rhythm uh, that they've got going with it. Like, so we've got the dynamic Island, they've got the 48 megapixel uh, camera lens now. So last yeah. year it was 12 and now we got the 48 last year in the pro. Now we get the 48 in the pro and th- the non pro this year. And they're doing a cool thing where you can get, 24 megapixel images out from that sensor. So before, like on the 14 Pro, everything is 12 and they'd bend all those pixels on the sensor or you shoot in RAW and you have an option for 48 megapixels. So this year they're kind of splitting the difference. And I think that's a I think that's a good move. I was really happy to see bringing that good camera sensor to the regular phone. I thought, honestly, I thought it'd be another year before they did it. And, uh, yeah, I think people are going to love that. I mean, I would imagine that most people buy a new iPhone because there's, there's gets, you know, damaged or lost or stolen or something, or they want the new camera, right? That's what these things are for people. And I know that's certainly true for a lot of people I talk to. And I think this year is going to be a nice bump. Now I want to see what this new 24 megapixel mode, what those images look like, but my guess is they're going to be substantially nicer than than what we've had before. Yeah, I always feel like when it comes to the cameras at the Apple event, there is an asterisk about everything we say because they have the pictures taken under ideal circumstances. And, you know, we got to get our hands on the hardware. Yeah. And, you know, people like Austin Mann need to, like, kind of dig in on it and let us know what they're able to do with it. But... But they certainly, they are certainly paying attention to the camera. One of the things we talked about in the labs meetup was just like, what are the reasons you upgrade? And almost universally, it's better camera. Because the general features of a phone are pretty nailed down. It's not, it's not like you say, well, I need an iPhone 15 because my call quality and my 14 is no good. Now, now, most of this stuff is is good. You don't need an update. But the camera can always get better. And they are putting a ton of effort into that. Mm-hmm. The a couple other things on the iPhone 15 standard, uh, t- uh, two that really stood out for me. The first one was roadside assistance with satellite. I thought that was uh, I didn't expect that. I love the idea of it as a father of two girls. 
if you are out on the road and you have a flat tire or you just have a problem and you don't have a cellular um, connection, you can go to a satellite. It combines with AAA in California. It was American Automobile Association. I, don't, I, don't I think so. That. Yeah, but I've been a member for, in fact, I've been a member longer than I've been alive. If you're from outside the United States, it's a weird thing. They like legacy UN. Like my father-in-law joined in like 1950-something and we kind of got in through that. So it says I've been a member longer than I've been alive. Go figure. But the, uh, but you pay them, and every year it's like people come change a tire or help you out if you have a car problem. And now they're connected to satellites with your with your iPhone. And I think, man, my girls are not going to have the iPhone 15, but eventually they will, and that's going to be really great for them. It's great for me too, but you know, as a dad, yeah, it's great for them. Yeah, definitely. I hope they don't listen to this. I can just hear it now. Dad. <laughs> don't you want me to be safe, Dad? Yeah, I didn't yeah. I didn't expect that either. And I think building on top of the, you know, obviously the the stack of things that they have for the emergency SOS, like, yeah, why not make that useful in other situations? I think it's super smart. I do wonder what happens at the end of two years. They kind of push that out again. Like, oh, it's free for yeah. two years on the new phone. And I guess we'll know, I guess we'll know next year because that'll be two years for the 14 line. But uh, time will tell, I guess, <laughs> yeah. what that ends up costing it once you pay for it. I, I think the way it sounds like it's two years after you buy the phone. Yes. So maybe that'll be their excuse to try and get you to buy another phone next year. I don't know. But the, uh, that <laughs> maybe. Would, so, so that stood out for me. The other thing that stood out for me uh, was the 2000 nits. So the, the screen got twice as bright according mm-hmm. to the announcement today. I did not expect that, but the OLED screen is now going up to 2000 nits. And I can tell you, gang, if you've got an older phone and you use it in the daylight, that extra brightness is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really sweet. And it's it's not always on. I was really hoping that we would have the always on display come to the the regular phone. We don't have that yet. So I do think some things are better. I think live activities obviously are better with the always on, but that's still a pro feature as is the 120 Hertz refresh rate, the pro motion. But the, the phone has gotten substantially better between the camera and the screen and the services. The design though really doesn't portray that the there are a couple of of slight differences so one thing that's interesting about all the all four new phones they still have flat sides but the very edge of the flat side rounds into the back so it's in between think you know iphone 10 11 12 like or i guess 10 and 11 in between that and the flat sides we've now had for a few years. So the face of it is still flat, but just the very edge of the, of the aluminum band or the titanium band is slightly rounded. And I would tell you again, just after, you know, not a ton of time with it, but it was very comfortable to hold without a case on. Now, most people have a case and most people don't care, but it felt really, really nice. The other slight tweak is to the the way that the camera housing on the 15 and 15 plus looks so they are bringing color into that glass in a new way and this is not something that was easy for me to understand watching the video but getting to use it in person 
it looks really nice. It looks very high end. The way that the glass, you know, the sort of mesa that all the cameras are on, or the, the two cameras on this phone's case, uh, it looks really nice. Now, none of the colors are all that exciting. They're very pastel, very light colors. But I think the way they've sort of um, brought color into that glass mesa, it makes it feel a little nicer than it, than it used to. But if you have this next to the previous couple of phones, only the eagle-eyed viewer would would notice any differences. It's very much in line with where we've been. Something I couldn't get my head around during the presentation that might have helped getting hands-on is this matte finish. It seems like they talked about it like they're using a new technique for the finish on the standard iPhone. Does it look or feel any different than the old one? Not, not to me. Not any big difference. Um, maybe, a, maybe it's... A, feel the texture may be a little bit different but it's very similar to, to what was there should we talk about connectivity yes yes connectivity i i like that's how they they phrased it connectivity they didn't even talk about the uh well let's talk about the usb-c no we want to talk about connectivity and then we're going to wait till the very end yeah. to get to this usb-c thing yeah we're going to start with wireless connectivity it's like who what are you doing like uh so a couple of things on the wireless. So all of the new phones and watches come with the an updated ultra wideband chip. That's if you've ever used Find My with an AirTag and you get the little arrow, kind of like, oh, go this way. Uh, yeah. It seems like you can now find another person with that. It seems like it's also longer range than before, but those new features are only capable when there's an ultra wideband sensor on both ends. And yeah. As far as I know, they did not update the AirTags today. Not that I've seen. And so I don't know what the deal is with that. But that is, it's a useful thing when you when you need to use it. It's not a reason to go buy a new phone. But hey, I'm glad they're, I'm glad they're doing stuff with it. Yeah, and they're doing quite a bit with it too. And, you know, this, is, this chip is in all the devices coming out today. Uh, I was really hoping at some point they would have an image of Tim, like, touching fingers with a U2 chip. <laughs> just you know but i don't think anybody would really appreciate that at apple the uh uh they then they gave lip service the fact that there's 5g and that one of the things i talked about in the wireless connectivity is the use of machine learning to filter your voice mm-hmm. what'd you think of that if it works as well as they say it does it's going to be really cool you know they've, they've done some of that with facetime and it, it works pretty well uh, at least in my limited experience. Yeah. I think with, that's such a sort of feature, though, that they need to make it easily discoverable. Because with the FaceTime, at least in iOS 16, with the FaceTime features, it's like buried in Control Center, and it's kind of not easy to find. And I hope that they make that uh, more more useful. That's one of the things I noticed in the video. The The lady was at the like farmer's market and... She says, let me uh, filter out the background noise. But if you watch her, there were multiple swipes and taps. Like Mm -hmm. she was doing several, and it could just be a video production thing. And the director said, well, just, you know, wave your finger around, you know, because, you know, it's production. But it it looked to me like she went through several steps to get that on. I would think that that would be a button that just appears on the screen next to the mute button or something if you're actually using the phone. Yeah. I'm actually installing the... uh, well, I, I'm not sure it would work on my phone, but I, I'm installing the 
the beta mm-hmm. as we record the show on my phone to see if any of this new stuff is here yet. But yeah, I, I agree. I hope it's useful and discoverable because it would be a nice feature. I think a lot of people would like it. But eventually they got around to the wired stuff and they announced without really a lot of fanfare that the, the iPhone is now USB-C. Good yeah. for you. Yeah, very understated announcement. So I took some notes on how they pitched it and it basically was, hey, USB-C is everywhere else and now it's on the iPhone. And at least on the on the regular phones, they're not really taking advantage of anything USB-C can do in any interesting ways. But you can use the USB-C port on your phone to charge an Apple Watch or to charge an AirPods case if the AirPods case is also USB-C, which is nice. And it was promoted, yeah. you know, as this like universal standard. Um, it's about time. Like, uh, I'm... I'm I think we're too early to know what the feedback from the public is going to be. And we talked about this on a recent episode, what we think is going to happen, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready to, to get rid of lightning every, everywhere I can. Yeah. I think they're going to get blowback, but not as much as they did with the lightning. Um, do you think in a world where the European union doesn't mandate USB-C? I mean, Apple really didn't have a choice. They had to put it in. Do you think they would have gone to USB-C anyway if they weren't required to? I I don't know. That's a hard that's a hard thing to yeah. say. I do think Apple is interested in going all portless, but I think we're just it's just too early for that. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah me either. I and then at one point they showed off some USB-C earpods. That's uh, the the you know the corded. Yeah. Earpods. Yeah. And I forgot I forgot they even make those things. Me too. I'm like, oh yeah, they make that. <laughs> yeah, who knew? This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by MacPaw, who are thrilled to announce Moonlock, their new cybersecurity division. And along with it, their upgraded Clean My Mac malware removal module. You can join millions of satisfied users who rely on Clean My Mac's malware removal for its ease of use and its dependability. And now it's powered by Moonlock Engine. It's even more effective in safeguarding your Mac. Moonlock Engine is brought to you by the Moonlock Division, that new cybersecurity unit by MacPaw. Find out more about Moonlock Engine and try the updated Clean My Mac with 5% off their coupon code MOONLOCKMPU using the link in the description. So this is a big deal for Clean My Mac X, and I love that MacPaw has a dedicated cybersecurity unit now because the internet's a scary place, even for Mac users. And I think dedicated resources behind this is going to make Clean My Mac X an even better deal for Mac users. There's a lot to love about it. Uh, faster scans now run up to twice as fast, ensuring quick and efficient protection for your Mac, plus expanded coverage because now the scan covers additional locations like external hard drives, mail attachments, archives, browser extensions, and more, leaving no stone unturned in the fight against malware. And you can customize the scan to suit your needs. Prioritize either speed or coverage, giving you control over the level of protection you want. Backed by a dedicated team of experts, Moonlock is exclusively focused on addressing the security needs of macOS users. As cyber threats continue to rise, they're committed to bridging the gap between emerging risks and the knowledge needed to protect against them. Check out the link in the show notes now to learn more about Moonlock Engine and try the updated Clean My Mac with 5% off 
when you use the coupon code MOONLOCKMPU. Our thanks to MacPaw and their new cybersecurity division, Moonlock, for their support of the show and Relay FM. All right, you know, whatever we all care about, right? The iPhone Pro. I feel like the Mac Power users listeners are like skewing heavily iPhone Pro. So uh, that's another thing I learned today in the Discord group with the labs. Nobody there was going to buy the iPhone 15. Everybody wants the Pro, right? And mm-hmm. I, I think that's natural. We're power users. We want the cool stuff. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about with this thing. Let's start with a new chip. Um, A17 Pro, three nanometer process. Um, I think the last one was five nanometers, if memory serves. Yeah, um, or the, they had like an enhanced five nanometer thing. It's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Th- this but, has yep. been a, a a a breaking point for a while now that we were going to move over to three nanometer. It's the first chip that uses it. There have been rumors that Apple has purchased basically all of TSMC's three nanometer capacity, <laughs> which is like yeah. what a flex. Like we're going to bu- buy every one of these. I think what's most well, not it's not the most important thing, but the most interesting thing to me is the A17 Pro. This is the base technology for the M3, more than likely. Yeah. So this yeah. sort of arrangement of CPU cores and neural engine and GPU cores, like the technology used here, this is the building block for the M3 and everything that comes, you know, in the M3 lineup. So it's always interesting to think about and. Any efficiencies gained in terms of uh, power and performance and battery life obviously make the biggest impact on a, an iPhone, right? But there's also benefits to this technology when it gets to the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro and 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 so on in the future. So that's exciting. You know, we get a little preview of what the Mac may be like in the future through this chip. Agreed. 19 billion transistors. If you've got your calculator... Uh, three nanometers, that's two less nanometers than five nanometers. So true. what that means is you're going to get better battery life and more power. So mm-hmm. uh, I I didn't hear a lot about battery life, but I suspect the tests are going to show this thing probably exceeds the battery life of the prior generation just because of that smaller chip. Yeah, the, I, um, I was super surprised we didn't get a slide with like two hours better battery. You know, we just... yeah. They didn't really give details on that. And we're just going to have to see how that goes in the real world. But it's still uh, an important step technologically. And and honestly, Apple can solve for that, right? They can decide uh, we want to go for lighter this year, titanium instead of steel. And and, uh, we're going to make a smaller battery because we get more life out of the smaller one. Because Mm -hmm. we, we get less draw from the smaller chip. So, you know, they can decide really how to tweak that if they want. Yeah. Uh, the, the core layout is interesting, too. Uh, Six-core CPU, 16-core neural engine, which means they've gone up, I believe, with neural engine cores. And they spent a lot of time talking about the GPU. And when you were saying earlier, this is kind of a forefather of the M3, I think that would mean that we may be able to look forward to a substantial graphics improvements with the M3 if they're already implementing this on the iPhone, like ray tracing and hardware, is that something you really need on a phone? I guess if you want to play first, you know, party, you know, first order games on it. But I feel like that is really going to translate well on a Mac when you, you know, dump that, when you jump that GPU number even higher. 
Yeah, yeah. It, they're moving the ball forward in a, in a bunch of interesting ways there. You know, the thing that, that jumped out at me is, and it's always funny, right, when they, they do these gaming segments, but they're they're suddenly talking about technologies that use different parts of the system on a chip in harmony with each other. Yeah. And that's that's really interesting, too, that they're they're pitching this as, yeah, it's obviously better for CPU and GPU, but there are things that use the GPU and the neural engine or like this and that, and, and we're moving forward in those areas, too. Very clearly, Apple Silicon is just on fire. I think they're very happy with how it's gone, and I yeah. think they should be. I think they should be proud of it. And not only that, it feels like they're not comfortable. Like, they're not sitting back on their lead. They're just pressing forward full steam ahead. And that's what I want from them. I want them to, to be way out front and just continue to push harder because that, that drives everything. You know, when you get, when you get to more neural engines, it allows you to do more stuff on device. I mean, Apple's big security push is going to require them to have real smart neural engine um, uh, capacity on these devices. So they're the only company really in the place to do this. Uh, yeah, but let's switch over. the The material changed as well, and mm-hmm. uh, so this year we went from stainless steel to titanium, according to Apple Today. Grade five titanium. At one point, they said this is the same stuff on the Mars rover alloy, and I said somewhere, Stephen, you know, just had a big smile on his face. Yeah, I was sitting next to Jason Snell, and we like we're like, yeah, look at that. So this is very interesting. I will say right off the bat. It feels substantially lighter. So I, I had in one hand my 14 Pro Max and the other hand a 15 Pro Max. And I told the Apple person there, like, it's hard to believe this is the same lineage of phones. Like it's not, it's not like half as heavy, right? It's not like when the yeah. iPhone we went from the iPhone 4S to the 5, but it is. A, a lot nicer and i think it'll be noticeable even with a case on i think it'll be the, the weight difference will be noticeable the weight difference though comes from the titanium but also they've moved to aluminum uh, for the sort of the inside chassis of the phone which also makes it uh way less and interestingly yeah. that that sort of re-architecture makes the iphone more repairable for a long time if you've broken the rear glass on a iphone it's really expensive because they've got to replace, in some cases, the whole phone or like the whole chassis of the phone. And now that back piece of glass is basically a separate component that can be replaced. And so I'm super happy with that angle and it just looks awesome. I actually was really interested in the aluminum, titanium, like alloy and combination like i'm really i'm i nerd out on tool steel of all things but Mm -hmm. like japanese make blades that are really infamous for being a soft metal on the inside the bulk of it is a soft metal and then the edge is a very hard metal so you get a sharp edge but you don't have the weight and the difficulty sharpening that you would if it was all that and and it looks like they did something here the way they presented it i don't think it's laminate it feels like to me it might be I don't know. I want to learn more about it is all I'm going to say. But, you know, we heard all the rumors about titanium, but then when they said, and we're combining it with aluminum, I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. It's less expensive. In some ways it's stronger, it's lighter. And, you know, you put all this together and you're going to have a really light, strong phone, which, which is cool. Uh, I need to know though, this brushed texture, 
Yeah. I'm not sure about that. What's it feel like uh, when you get your hands on it? It's very, very similar to the old titanium Apple watches. So not the Ultra. The Ultra titanium is not brushed. It's bead blasted. So it, it looks yeah. a lot like the aluminum finishes. But this is very similar to that those old Apple watches. So it is brushed, but you don't really see the brushing unless it's in sort of the the exact right light. It kind of diffuses light in an interesting way. I think it looks really good. And I, I think Apple's imagery, at least during the keynote, kind of overplays the brushing compared to what it looks like in real life. This does not look like zebra stripes going up and down your phone. Okay, it's, it, that's it's, good. It's really nice. That's good, actually. And yeah. it should, if it's like that titanium watch, it should be basically impervious to fingerprints. You know, the stainless steel, like my word, if, if you touch those bands, you get you see your fingerprint perfectly, and you know someone could lift your fingerprint and rob a bank. But that is not the case with these. And uh, it looks it looks really sharp. It, it really looks nice. All right, tell us about the colors. They are the four colors: um, white, black, blue, and natural. So, really, the color is most noticeable between the three sort of monochromatic options in the back glass, but they're they're all kind of muted. Uh, I think the natural looks really good. The natural looks like the Apple Watch Ultra, and that's the one I'm interested in. The blue is very, very close to midnight. I I see why they didn't call it that, because it's a little bit bluer than midnight is, like on the MacBook Air. But then the white and black, or the the silver and black, whatever, they're much more traditional. Like the the back glass is very bright. And uh, I've got an Instagram post I'll put in the show notes. I took pictures of all four from the same angle with my iPhone. So like they all would look the same. And I think you can get a pretty good feel for that. Um, I think if you're a person who like wants the color that's new every year, I think it's going to be blue or or natural for you. Yeah, natural to me was like, I mean, I just saw it online, but I'm like, yeah, that's the one. Like often I, I uh, struggle over that decision, but I love the natural look on my ultra watch and I mm-hmm. want to match that. So that, yeah. that's probably what I'll do. They, they made, uh, they talked about in the presentation how this new one has the thinnest borders yet, but they didn't really go into much length about discussing it. Uh, having your iPhone 14 pro max next to the iPhone 15 pro max, how thin are the borders? Does it even matter? They're definitely thinner. And I think it makes the phone feel a little bit smaller in the hand. But I've been looking at a 14 Pro Max for a year, right? I think if you're coming from a 11 or a 12 or something like that, it's going to feel dramatically different, right? Because you're, you're really jumping ahead. But year over year, it's noticeable. It's cool, right? Uh, they're trying to move to this basically just like a, a piece of glass with some metal behind it. They're getting, they're getting pretty close. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah. What do you think about the action button? Man, it's so, so cool. So that's the new that's cool. the new button to replace the little switch to turn off the ringer. It's a um it is a button, but it's actually a what's the term uh where haptic engine button. So you press it and there's a haptic engine underneath it to give you feedback. Uh as I understood it from the presentation, you can hold it for ring silence and then hold it to turn that off. But if you just do a press, you can have a user-selected action. Is that the way it worked? So my understanding is a little bit 
different by default, like out of the box, it's set to, to ringer mute. Yeah. But when I used it, it was press and hold and then it would do whatever in settings you had set it up to do. So I had one that it was set, press and hold to launch the camera, press and hold to launch the flashlight. You can obviously, you can also fire a shortcut with it, which is really cool. I think there's some, a lot of very, really interesting automation stuff we can talk about as these phones come out. But yeah. I think everything is that, that press and hold and it's either ringer silent switch or something else. For me, I'm probably going to set to the camera because it's, it'll be the fastest way to get into the camera. And once you're in the camera, it doubles as the shutter button, which is also pretty sweet. Yeah. I'm kind of leaning that way, but there's a part of me that wants to make a very advanced shortcut. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll play with them both. I will say as someone who's wore an Apple Watch Ultra for a year, an action button is great. One extra interactive button that you can designate on your Apple device there's nothing but good that comes from that. So if you haven't had that yet, you'll really like that action button yeah. when you get it on your new phone. Yeah. And then there's the camera improvements. I, you know, I'm always super curious about that. The, uh, they announced that the, uh, they're really kind of being, there's a focus on portraiture. It seems like this year mm-hmm. they have settings where you can set it to 24, 28 or 35 millimeter options off the primary lens. And I guess if I understand correctly, that lens is good enough that they can just set it at a different focal distance and without really any loss of fidelity. Is that, did you get a chance to play with that? Yeah. Cause the sensor is so big. They're basically just pulling information from the center of the sensor. Gotcha. So and of like course a little crop maybe. Yeah. yeah. And of course the Steve jobs theater is like beautifully lit and like, very, you know, it's like anything you shoot in there is going to look good. But in my playing around with it, it looked pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I sort of quibble with the, it's like seven lenses in your pocket. It's like, well, not really. It's just kind of different cropping on this monster sensor. But it does give us more flexibility in terms of the range that we now have from the ultra wide all the way up through the through the five x and you know yeah. that's something that I think we need time to to see what it's going to be like yeah. yeah, I think Sean Blanc will be holding on to his leica right but yeah, the, yeah. Uh, but for a phone in your pocket, that is a nice improvement uh It seems like they put a lot of effort into portrait images in general. One of the things they announced was that it's going to be capturing portrait data even on standard photos. So you don't have to remember to put it in portrait mode when you take a picture. You can add it as a portrait mode image later, and it'll Mm -hmm. do the processing on device. You can even change the focal point, which I thought was really interesting. But it's cool. The example example was uh, somebody in the foreground was in focus, and the background was out, and they tapped it, and it changed the focus to the background image. And I just... I, you know, I am maybe easily sold, but I, th- I think that portrait stuff with the, the little bit of bokeh just looks really nice coming off the phone. And, and it seems like every year it gets a little better. Mm-hmm. Did this, you get to shoot any images with the new cameras? Did you I, get to? I did. Yeah. Hands- the, the person I handed that phone back to, he's like, I'm deleting a lot of pictures of the ceiling because people just want to like punch in on the Pro Max to the 5X optical zoom. Yeah, but and it's crowded, right? Like I couldn't get anybody stand still for a portrait photo, but yeah. the, the quick hands-on it seemed it seemed very impressive. I think that the big story though with the camera is the Pro Max getting the five X optical zoom, so that's equivalent to one hundred and twenty millimeters 
yeah. they're doing it nice. not with a traditional periscope, which is kind of what was rumored, but it's basically this little chamber that the light bounces around in. And yeah. they're calling it, uh, I'm looking for the name real quick. Um, they're calling it the Tetra Prism. And so the light changes direction four times before it makes it to the sensor. And it lets them do this, you know, with this optical zoom. And what that means is, is that you get as high quality as possible at that zoom level. And I think it's going to be cool. And and in playing with that, again, I took pictures of the ceiling, the Steve Jobs Theater. I was like, oh, this looks really sharp. Like it sort of startled me because we've been used to digital zoom forever on these phones. Like, yeah. oh, I can punch in that far and it looks that good. It's it's pretty cool. Now, I'm curious how it's going to be in lower light and, and that sort of thing. But my use case for this is taking pictures of my kids doing things outside, you know, sporting activities or other things. And I think those photos are going to be great and way better than they used to be. Yeah. And even like for people who do use the digital zoom, if you're starting at five X, your digital zoom is going to be that much better too. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just giving you a much better starting point, but I, I am fascinated by this, this lens system because everybody expected a port periscope lens. You know, the idea of it would be just like a, uh, submarine it's there's one sensor one 90 degree bend and then you're good but they have it like it's like going through a bond villain torture chamber or something and and then they made uh, they kind of explained it like we can do all these measurements and make it sharper because of this but this is one where i really want panzerino or or some press outlet to get a hold of a senior Apple executive to really explain how that decision was made and why this is what it is. Cause mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a whole story there that we don't know yet. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably true. They, they also upgraded the wide lens too. I, I feel like the camera improvements this year are really notable, right? We got the periscope, we got, you know, the multiple, uh, focus lengths off the primary. And I've always felt like the ultra wide lens is cool and it's got some great features, but it was the worst lens. And it seems like that is also, they've raised the bar on that one as well. Yeah, I think so. That's definitely been a complaint from, from a lot of people. And I think having the, um, having that lens sort of step up in quality will, will be good. Uh, that lens in particular or that sensor, I should say, was pretty rough and low light. And they 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 took yeah. time to talk specifically about that. So I'm, I'm hoping that's a lot better in the real world. Yeah, the, the stats I got in a quick screenshot is 12 megapixel, 13 millimeter focal length. What is it? 1.4, I forget. That's the pixel size. Yeah. Um, I yeah. forget the measurement yeah. of that unit. But they, they've got, that's down to 1.4. Um, the... Uh, and 2.2 aperture, which I, I think that's largely improvements kind of across the board. Mm-hmm. And this is another one I just want to get my hands on and see what it does. But the camera is often one of the things I look most forward to. Yep. And it feels like this year, uh, as they always do, but this year in particular, they really delivered some goods here. Yeah. And and they're doing this this neat thing with the main and ultra wide on the, the 14 Pro. I'm unclear if... Or, I'm unclear if this is on the regular iPhone 15 or just the 15 Pro and Pro Max, but you can use it to capture spatial video 
for playback in the Vision Pro headset. That's not coming at launch. That's coming later, probably assumedly with the headset. Yeah. Also, they did not show what that looks like playback-wise on the phone. Like, can you even play those files back? Do you get two videos and they're in some weird container? Like, I just don't know at this point. And because the feature is not out yet, we couldn't play with it in the hands-on. But that's something to keep uh, keep an eye on, I think, is, as we get closer to Vision OS being in the world, using these phones to capture content for the headset is going to be neat. I remember talking to an Apple person at WWDC, you know, because there was that whole thing in the WWDC video where they had the dad wearing the, oh, yeah. the Vision Pro while the girl's blowing out her candles and all of us, like, what kind of dad would wear that dumb thing on his face while the kid is blowing out candles? And I remember in the room with an Apple person and and I think you or me, somebody said, well, you know, it's only a question of time before they get that into the iPhone, you know, It'll mm-hmm. probably be a couple of years before they get that, you know, but that that is obviously the next move. So you don't have to wear that thing. You can take the image with your iPhone and then go back. And And we were thinking, well, when the Vision Pro gets more affordable and it gets more out there, that, that'll be a next move. And looking back, that Apple person looked at us like, yeah, that probably would be, but you know how they don't say anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I realize, I think that person knew that we were going to get it in a couple of months and was just like laughing who knows? Um, yeah. You know, inside because we were so like we were we had the right thread, but we just did we totally missed it, you know, mm-hmm. that it would be here right away. And that was a big shocker moment for me. I, I feel like um uh that that coming through, I was really happy to see that. So yeah. that's cool. And I can't wait to shoot some spatial video. And um and what they say is true. Like for families that are spread across the world, you get you know, these are expensive devices, but if you have one on your head and you've got a grandchild on the other end of the world and you get to see a 3D video of them, that's going to be a special thing for you. And I don't know. I just I can't wait to get my hands on that thing. Mm-hmm. Either way. Uh, and then the USB-C story for iPhone Pro is better. Uh, it gets 10 gigabytes per second if you have a USB 3 cable. I'm pretty sure that doesn't come with a USB three cable. It doesn't didn't really run. Okay. So you got that one figured out already, but the, uh, but that's cool. I mean, not everybody's going to need that high data transfer rate, but if you shoot video uh, on your phone and in, in high res, that's going to make life so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. This is interesting. So the iPhone 15 and 15 plus that USB C port is still USB 2.0 speeds. USB 2.0 came out like 20 years ago, and that's ridiculous that they they, they say it's it, the US it's the USB like I guess controller on the system on a chip that is why this is the way that it is. But it's USB 2.0 speeds. The 15 Pro and Pro Max 10 gigabits a second USB 3. The cable is optional, which is like just the cheapest thing out of all this event. Like I, it's a thousand dollar phone. Most of these phones yeah. are going to be 13 or $1,400. Put the USB three cable in the box. Uh, it's yeah. infuriating. It's not Thunderbolt. It is USB three, but that lets them, like you said, you can record ProRes video onto external storage. Um, the camera system can shoot 4k 60 now, which you're going to want an external drive <laughs> because that those files yeah, are really big, really fast. Phone. 
yeah. Um, you can shoot into things like Capture One, which is this application for uh, shooting in a um, sort of a live environment where you're taking your photos basically directly into into a computer, into a Mac. So they're doing some interesting things with it, but not having the cable in the box is a little frustrating at the price point. I don't know. I guess they think most people aren't going to use these features, and if they do, they're willing to buy cable. But it 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 it, hurt, it stung a little bit when they said the yeah. cable is optional. I'm with you on that, but in terms of the standard iPhone not having it, it you know as I understand, the controller is on the A17. It's not like a separate controller, and the iPhone, the standard iPhone, has the A16. It just doesn't have that chip in it. So I don't see them going back and like trying to like modify it to put mm-hmm. the higher speed. I wouldn't be surprised if in the next year or two that the pro chip gets thunderbolt support and then the standard phone like next year they will have an a17 chip in the standard phone and yeah. then it'll get the higher speed so it, i i think it's just kind of an evolutionary thing but maybe i'm kind of with you on the on the cable too <laughs> i mean at the scale that apple would be making them and the cost of the phone but you know mm-hmm. hey man everybody got to make a buck i i guess so i guess so but all in all, I think the the iPhone 15 Pro and the Pro Max, they're a bigger update over the predecessors compared to the to the sort of normal phones. And yeah. I think the design is different enough that's going to catch people's eye. Uh, I will say, when we were recording, The Verge put up a hands their hands-on, which I saw them taking the photos. And I talked to our friend uh, Dan Seifert over there. But in their photos, the titanium rails do show fingerprints. That was not the case on the one that I handled, maybe they just wiped it off and I hadn't noticed. I think it's still better than stainless, but apparently it's not uh, completely fingerprint free. Somebody got to tell the bird to stop eating French fries before they go take pictures of the <laughs> iPhone. <laughs> this episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com slash MPU and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain using the code MPU. Do you want to become a hero among your friends and family? You have nerd super skills. You listen to the Mac power users. You get it. But how do you impress them? Do you impress them with a shortcut? No, you impress them by turning them onto Squarespace. The fact is, to most normal humans out there, the internet is indecipherable. You tell them to make a website, and you might as well be asking them to split the atom. They don't have any idea how to get started. Well, you just turn them on to Squarespace because Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. I have turned so many friends and family onto Squarespace over the years because I know that if I tell them to like whip up some code, they're just going to look at me like they want to murder me. But I put them on Squarespace and their eyes get big and round and they look at me. They're so happy. I've just changed their life. And all I had to do is point them at a website. Not only that, I've got them on a website where they can run it themselves and I don't have to be their tech support for the rest of my life. There's so many benefits to sending your friends and family to Squarespace. And when you get them to Squarespace, there's a lot there for them. They've got that new fluid engine. It's their next generation website design system and it makes creativity easier than ever before. You start with a best in class website template, customize every design detail with drag and drop. It's so simple. Anybody can do it. And then they start stretching their imagination. They start making a website that they feel they own, and they're so thankful to you. 
If they want to sell products, you can show them how to do that. You can set up everything you need for digital products, physical products. They can even sell their time online on the Squarespace website. And when they need to sell something, Squarespace has all the payment options built in. That used to be a huge deal, setting up payment. Now you check a box in Squarespace and it's done. Whatever you need, credit cards, PayPal, Apple Pay, they've got all the options for your customers. They can even use Afterpay and Clearpay if they want. I'm not kidding when I say you can really make somebody's day by turning them on to Squarespace. I've got a whole flock of friends that still want to buy me drinks, buy me meals, or just pat me on the back because I turned them on to Squarespace years ago and they're still using it. Don't you want free drinks and food? That's what you get when you turn your friends on Squarespace. So head over to squarespace.com MPU. That part's important. When you tell your friends to do it, tell them to use MPU. That way we get credit. They know that they came from the Mac power users. If your friends ask you what MPU means, say something like most powerful umbrella. It doesn't matter so long as they use the code because then they also get 10% off their first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com MPU. And use that offer code MPU when you decide to sign up or get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the Mac Power Users. And our thanks to Squarespace for their support of the Mac Power Users and all of Relay FM. So let's talk about Apple Watches. We got Apple Watch Series 9 and the Ultra 2. Uh, you want to tell us about the new chip? Because this is the first time in a while the Apple Watch has gotten a meaningful uh, silicon update. Yeah, we keep hearing that Apple's getting a new chip every year, but the last several years, it hasn't been much of a new chip. It's almost been a rebranding of an old chip with a few few minor changes. Mm-hmm. This year, we actually got new features on it, which is great. Um, uh, I love it when they say our most powerful insert name yet, you know, because you can like, literally say that at every event. You know, it doesn't it doesn't really mean a lot. But this is their most powerful watch chip yet. Uh, but what they did, they gave us some numbers: sixty percent more transistors. The GPU is thirty percent faster. All that's great. But I think the real uh, the real star of the new chip is the neural engine. They've never had a neural engine on the watch mm-hmm. chip before, and now they do, which now gives it new features. Right? Um, you can. There's a couple things they do. Uh, first of all, the thing that always gets me excited, uh, voice recognition, Siri is processed on device. And we all have our complaints with Siri. One of them on the watch is that a lot of times it has to go up to the internet to get an answer to your question or even just to understand what you said, which slows it down. And the um, they talked about because it's all on device, it's 25% more accurate. And the fact that there was room to be 25% more accurate you know, that's the inverse of what they just said, right? <laughs> and it made me kind of sad. But yeah, if you get the new watch, it's going to be a more accurate Siri. It's going to be done on device. And and then the other thing that you get out of having the neural engine is that can do other kinds of sensory stuff. And one of them is a new gesture. For the first time in a long time, the watch has a new gesture. Yeah, it's really, really neat. So they're doing... Uh, a gesture where you tap your index finger and thumb. Now, Apple Watch and watchOS have some uh, assistive features that use hand gestures that have been around for a couple of years, but this is sort of the first mainstream implementation of it on the Apple Watch. And think about it like you think about the return key on your Mac. And so wherever you are, 
your tapping your finger and thumb will activate the default button on the UI. So if you're on a timer, it'll start the timer or stop the timer, depending on its state. It will snooze your alarm. You can use it if you're on the watch face to to start moving through your widget stack. All that's cool, and it seems to work really well, but it is not an API for third-party developers. The only way a third-party developer can take use of this is when their notification has the screen. So if a notification comes in from a third-party app, you can tap to do whatever the notification's default button is, but it cannot be used, at least currently, inside third-party applications, just Apple's. And I don't know if that's because they were trying to keep this hardware feature a secret, and so they didn't put it in watchOS 10. I assume it'll come to watchOS 11. But just know that it's not going to be a universally used feature because none of your third-party apps are going to have it, at least for now. And that's disappointing. But in my time, like I got to see a demo of it, and it worked great for this this woman every time she did it. And so uh, that looks really cool. And I think it's going to be really great for a lot of people, but I'm a little disappointed that it's not everywhere. Well, you know what this means, right? It means no more nose taps. <laughs> right? That That's the problem it's solving. Somebody at Apple saw people like me out and about. Your hands are full. The timer goes off. You want to stop. You know, you want to un- turn off the timer and you stick your watch on your nose. I've, I've done it. I have to admit it, man. But this this will end that. So yeah, the dark days of tapping your watch with your nose are over once you get the mm-hmm. a, an Apple Watch with this S9 chip in it or or anything subsequent. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I also feel like it's their way of training us for Vision Pro because Vision Pro uses the exact same thing. 100%. Um yeah, so that's that's the Series 9. It comes with the same industrial design that we've had for a long time. There's a new aluminum uh, finish that's in pink that looks really nice in person. Those bands have more recycled content. But the, the Apple Watch has been kind of stagnant since this, the 6 or the 7, and this definitely, like, it looks the same. I think if you yeah. have a, a Series 4, 5, or 6, this is a great update. If you have a Series 8 or maybe even 7, I don't think you've got to run out and get this, but it's a it's a solid year over year update. I think particularly in performance, which is uh, which is good to see. Like you said, they've kind of been hanging out with the same performance level for quite a while. Yeah, and we did get in addition the U two chip is on the uh, the, yep. the watch as well, mm-hmm. and the screen is brighter, which is nice. And I feel like that's a lesson from last year's Ultra because I know with my Ultra watch. I really do appreciate that brighter screen when I'm outdoors. And now the Series 9, the the standard Apple Watch, I'm holding up air quotes, uh, got got a lot brighter. Yeah, that's a huge thing. And uh, I was glad to see that on the, on the Series 9. Now the Apple Watch Ultra 2 goes to 3,000 nits, which is apparently Apple's brightest display ever. That's on the new yeah. Apple Watch Ultra. Uh, the Ultra also gets the new S9 chip. Uh, the updated ultra wideband chip. Uh, there's a new watch face that looks extremely busy to me, but uh, you, there's. A, it, oh man, I liked it. Looks cool to me. A lot of a lot of places for widgets, and then they have a new widget type up the side that can show uh, some information. 
but same same design, same straps, although the, the watch bands now come in different colors, but no like new Apple Watch band and no dark finish. That was heavily rumored. And uh, I was I was genuinely surprised we didn't see a, a darker titanium Apple Watch. Yeah, I I mean the rumor mill got it wrong. That one they everybody was sure that there mm-hmm. was going to be a dark watch, and and there wasn't. Uh, I will tell you that I have already ordered one of the new Ultra Watch bands. I'm not going to tell you which one. Okay. When we get to where we're buying, I want you to guess. I think you'll probably get it in one guess, but I'm not sure. <laughs> it may be the one that I've also thought about ordering. Um, yeah. Because and we should say the Apple Watches are available to order uh, on September 12th today, the day of the event. Everything uh, ships on next Friday, September 22nd, which is also the date of the podcastathon for St. Jude. So you, while you're transferring all your data to your from your old phone to your new phone, you can watch us on our uh, on our live stream for that. Um, they did that, I think, last year as well. You could order the Apple Watch a few days before the iPhones. The iPhones go on pre-order on Friday morning. I think they're doing that just yeah. to sort of level the load on their systems, which totally fair, like <laughs> totally cool. But if you are in the market for a new Apple Watch, you can go order one now. You can order the bands now. You can even order the new iPhone cases now. And they're shipping like this week. I ordered a black fine woven one just a few minutes before we started recording. And it's going to be at my house on Thursday. This <laughs> is ready to go. Yeah. Well, and that has historically been the order for the phones for a while now. You order the phone on the Friday following the announcement and you get it the following Friday. That's mm-hmm. not been that's been pretty regular now. Yep. So so that's cool. And and another the other nice thing is they've set the order time now to five AM Pacific, uh, which means I have to wake up early, but all those people on the East Coast that used to have to order them at three in the morning, yeah, they don't have to do that anymore. And I and I'll take that one for the team. I was so glad they changed that. <laughs> it was miserable waking up in the middle of the night to order a phone. Um because it was, I guess, two AM for me. Whatever yeah. it was, it was the middle of the night, and now, yeah, I can just get up at my normal time. And the, the trick is ordering of this stuff is to uh, set up what you want and bookmark it in the Apple Store app, and it'll sync to the Apple Store website. And then, then you don't have to like rush around and configure something when it's go time. We'll we'll talk about what our plans are in a second, but that's that's always my tip: is like take some time now. Plan out what you want, and then you're prepared. This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by NetSuite. If you have a business, you might be able to relate to this. Your business gets to a certain size, and the cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day now suddenly take a week. You have too many manual processes, and you don't have one source of truth. It's never a good feeling when everything in your business is disjointed. Too many processes in too many places. You want clarity. You want one place where all the important stuff happens. The solution to untangling that disjointed feeling is NetSuite. NetSuite is a software company that has developed a cloud-based business management platform to help your team deal with key business processes like enterprise resource planning and financials, CRM, e-commerce, inventory, and more. I know how important internal organization is to a small business. Over the years, we've had to adapt uh, a lot of things at Relay FM as we've grown, had to make adjustments, had to make changes. And it's kind of frustrating when you're working really hard to go around and look for all the answers in different places. 
So if you want to make sure cracks don't emerge in your business, you should know these three numbers, 36,000, 25, and 1. 36,000, that's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, because NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days and not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So get your customized solution for all your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need in one place. Because having the information you need in one place makes it so much easier to make decisions. So go download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com MPU. That's NetSuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E, netsuite.com MPU. Go there now and get that free KPI checklist to make sure your business is the one that continues to thrive. Our thanks to NetSuite for the support of the show and Relay FM. All right, we definitely want to talk about what we're planning to buy. But before we do, there was one bit of news that made me so happy. And you actually texted me. You took time while you're in Steve Jobs Theater to text me when it came up. Uh, iCloud plus additional storage tiers. Yeah, buddy. I wasn't able to find any pricing on this stuff. I hope that it's I got it for you. All right. I got you covered. So what's it going to cost me for six terabytes? Let me know now. The six terabyte option is going to be $30 a month. And the 12 terabyte is going to be $60 a month. All right. So they, when you buy extra, you don't save anything. That's cool. That, that is unclear. <laughs> it's unclear if you get, like if you move from two to six. Yeah. Uh, if you end up with 18, like some, some of the, because this doesn't go live until the 18th when iOS 17 comes out. And so all we know is the the pricing, not quite how it's going to work. But yeah, I mean, um, I know we've talked about this a lot on the show and I'm starting to run into it because uh, you know, my, my daughter now has an iPhone. So we have three iPhones in our shared sure. family plan. And I replaced, she had an iPhone 8 and I replaced it with a, with, a, uh, with a 12 for her birthday. And she's taking a lot of photos and video with that thing. And I've watched yeah. just over the summer us inch from we were right around like 1.1 terabytes to suddenly we're at like 1.35. I was like, oh, oh no. Like I'm hurtling to the two terabyte thing. Now this is expensive, um, but it should, it should mean that you have a lot more time before you have to worry about it again. Yeah. The, um, and still you get five gigabytes for free. Criminal. <laughs> man. That okay, that to me is worse than the cable thing. What it's way like, it's the worst thing of, it's the worst thing in Apple's whole ecosystem. It's the worst yeah. part of it. Yeah. And it's now been, I think, twelve or thirteen years since they decided to give us that sweet deal, five gigabytes. Steve Jobs announced it. Yeah. Um they, we've had five gigabytes longer than the Beatles were a band. It's great. It's great. 
they, they need to they need to work on that. I mean, like that fifty gigabyte tier should have become the new free tier at least. I I agree. But, and they do the thing now. This will be the second or third year they've done it. Where if you're transferring a phone, they will give you temporarily the space to back up your phone to iCloud and restore it, and that's free with yeah. a new phone. And that's good. But the photos is the problem, right? It's the it's the, the fact yeah. that we're all taking photos with these things, and the the ecosystem around the photos app is so dependent on iCloud. I mean, look, even today, like I had uh, my iPhone with me, I took a bunch of pictures, and I got back to my hotel and opened my laptop, and the the pictures were there, right, ready to post. And I'm going to write an article after this and post some of those photos that I took. And I'm not like bringing a cable. Like it's all, it's all so good. But ugh, now I'm mad. But the storage thing uh, is just yeah, such a nightmare. Well, I mean, th- th- I was just thinking we were talking earlier. You get satellite for two years. Why not say you get free storage for two years mm-hmm. when you buy a new phone? I mean, there- there's so many ways to solve this problem. And I-, I don't know that, you know, could it be a capacity problem uh, where, like, that we just don't have enough storage? If we gave everybody two terabytes, we would run out of storage. I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah, but it's been a long time, and they certainly have enough capacity to give everybody 50 gigabytes. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like this is, and I understand Apple needs to make money and blah, 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 but this is the one that is just embarrassing. Like, when you know, as the Apple guy in my friend group, this is the thing I get grief mm-hmm. from all the time. They're like, I spent $1,200 on this phone. Now i got to spend yeah. $5 a month for my photos. This is, you know... And it's just such an obvious miss. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. And they're never going to tell us why. But but I feel like if I was in charge, first of all, I would get fired probably the second day. But the, the, for, during the first day, I would put everything in place I could to, to fix this because it's it needs fixing. All right. Um, let's talk about what we're going to give Apple money for. <laughs> uh, start with the phones. Wh- which phone are you going to get? iPhone 15 Pro Max in the natural titanium finish. I think the natural looks really good. It's kind of a gray. Um, it it looks a little kind of muddy or dirty compared to the white. But I've had white phones. I've had black phones. I don't really care for the dark blue. But the, the natural one really jumps out, out at me. I mean, go look at that Instagram post of mine that I put in the show notes and and you can kind of see what they look like in the real world. Of course, Apple has lots of product photography. But the natural is the one that says, hey, I'm titanium now. And, yeah. you know, uh, it's going to be in a case most of the year for me anyways. I, I, re- I use a case during shorts weather, which is most of the year in Memphis. But th- that's the one for me. Pro Max all the way. I want the 5X. Uh, I use a Pro Max now and like the size. And uh, yeah, that's my plan. Um, probably the 512 gig. That's what I have now. And that, that's working well for me because I like having my photos locally. I don't, you know, as good as iCloud is, I like having them offline. I think for the first time since you joined the Mac Power users, our phones will be twinsies. I think I'm going to get the exact same build. Awesome. Oh, I have but a I'm terabyte also- phone now. I just looked. Oh, do you? Oh, no. I didn't realize that. Oh, no. Uh, maybe I'll go down to 512. We'll see. I need to I need to look at that. Uh, well, just look at your storage. See how much you're using. Well, it's thinking because it's like the slowest part of iOS. Yeah. Uh, here we go. I'm using I'm using 761 gigs. Oh, so sorry, I guess man. I'm on the hook sorry. for a terabyte phone again. 
Oh, no. Well, then we won't have matching phones. <laughs> or, you know, maybe this is the year I just let iCloud do its thing and I go down to 256. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think you will. Honestly. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, okay. I also bought an Apple Watch band. Now's your chance to guess. I, I will give you one hint. It is one of the new Ultra bands. Yeah. Did you do the orange oceanic one? You got it. Yeah. It, got I, it, I, I have a tab open in Safari right now. And because uh, I like the ocean band and I like the white, but orange is my jam. And so I may, uh, I may go with that. Yeah. It looks my sick in person. So, my skin is so white when I wear a white watch band. It's, <laughs> it's just kind of sad looking. But the, uh, but I, I do, a, I've been going to the pool more and swim a lot. And my, ba- I am using an old, um, the, was the Velcro, you know, s- sports band Mm -hmm. and it's just all wet and soggy and gross and i thought i I would like to get one of those fancy scuba diver ones even if i'm only going to use it probably in the ocean here down maybe 10 or 20 feet max Mm -hmm. but the uh but i i felt like yeah i want to get one of the fancy ones and now that they have an orange one it was an it was an easy call for me so i I ordered that uh I'll, i'll get a new phone and that's it for me this year I, I know that a lot of people who have the ultra, the uh, ultra one, are looking at the ultra two. Um, my advice would be: hey, if you really want it, go for it. But you're not getting that much more. I mean, you're getting the the double tap and and you know, kind of the benefits of the Siri on deck. But just think about how much you'd use that stuff to see whether you want it. I really think the ultra two is is probably aimed at people that are, have got older watches that want to kind of step up to it. Yeah. Um, one of the lab members has a series five and, uh, and I don't remember if it was a he or she, but that, that person was going to update to the ultra two. And I'm like, man, you are going to love that. That is mm, going to be yeah. such an improvement. That's a huge and, update. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think with the watch, a lot of people do hold on to them a long time. Me too. And, uh, and, the, but those ultras and our, with our audience is very popular. I just really wish they found a way to make a smaller one. I have a lot of friends with smaller wrists that would, would like something like that with a smaller, with a smaller footprint on their mm-hmm. hand. But um, but yeah, I think that's going to be a popular watch. And I think a lot of people who didn't get it last year are going to step up now and get one. Yeah. I'm not making any promises about the Ultra 3, though. I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to go more than <laughs> two years. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally in the same boat. I've got no desire to update my Ultra 1. It is such a good watch. And the battery life is incredible even after a year. Even on the beta, the battery life is plenty. And it's, I've got one little nick in it. I know exactly when I did it. I was moving rocks around in our yard. And I just put this like tiny little scratch in the case. But other than that, it's flawless. And, you know, I bang it into doors and go mountain biking in it. Like, it's so good. I I really have no interest in the Ultra 2. And I don't know if there really was going to be anything to move me off that position this year. But I'm I'm glad that, you know, they didn't throw something in that would have caught me by surprise. But uh but yeah, if you're coming from a regular watch, uh, uh if it fits you, because you're right, it's enormous. If it physically fits you, the ultra is just so awesome. I feel like Apple should put it on the box now that, you know, as a testament to its durability, that Stephen Hackett had one for a year and didn't destroy it. That's right. I think that that's a that's a selling point. <laughs> Uh, it, it, if they had made, okay, let's go to next year and say older three is out. You're ready to get a new one. They make the dark one as well as the natural titanium one. Which one would you get? I don't know. I, I really like the natural titanium look, 
but this watch in black would be sick. So uh, that would be hard. That would be really hard. Yeah, I think I would probably just get the natural one again. I, I really like the look of the natural one, mm-hmm. and it matches almost any band you throw at it. And, and so that's kind of nice. It's kind of classy in a way. Like, I, I wore my Apple Watch Ultra with a suit a couple weeks ago, and like, it looked okay. You know, it's, I mean, obviously it's like big and bulky, but it, it has a class to it, the natural finish. And uh, I guess we'll see how it goes. You know, I want to see how the dark uh, titanium iPhones hold up. But yeah, uh, I'm definitely happy keeping this watch uh, another year. And I've only done that a couple of times. I'm usually a, a watch every year person, but this year I'm uh, not in the market. Yeah, I think we both kind of, you make that deal with yourself when you spend that much money on a watch that you're not going to replace it in a year. Yeah, yeah, no no kidding. All right, uh, Stephen, I am so happy you got to be there today. It was fun living vicariously through you when you were sending me images and uh, you finally got into that Steve Jobs theater. Uh, some great announcements, you know, other than us complaining about iCloud storage and uh, and cables, mm-hmm. Apple really is is clicking on all cylinders. The Silicon just gets better and better, and then they're finding ways to capitalize on it. It's a it's a tough year to skip upgrading with all these great new features in the phone. But uh, yeah, you know, good job everybody at Apple that made this. You know, we have friends up there that work really hard on this stuff, and then this is the day they get to share it with the world. Especially the camera team, man, they really put they really put some effort in this year. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I'm very happy with with all all the announcements this year, and I think that. Uh, on the whole, it's a very solid, very solid year, especially for the 15 Pro. I think that kind of comes out the winner. But I think these other updates are also really nice, especially when you consider the vast, vast majority of people don't upgrade year over year. You know, the iPhone, I think, has slipped for most people to from a two to three year thing to a three, four to five year thing. And the watches are yeah. certainly there. And that's what you have to keep in mind when you watch these events and when we talk about them. I guess it's exciting for us power users who are going to, squeeze every ounce of performance and and camera capability out of these devices. But most people aren't that way. And I think if you're considering a new phone, like these all have great capabilities and options. And especially with USB-C, it's going to, it's going to, I think be exciting for a lot of people. All right. We are the Mac power users. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU. Next week, we will be back to our regular release time. That will be on Sunday afternoons. Uh, But we're very happy to get this one out early since we had a man on the ground getting hands on the devices. Uh, Thanks for all that, Stephen. And uh, thank you to our sponsors today. That's our friends at 1Password, MacPaw, Squarespace, and NetSuite. And we'll see you next time.